You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. We're continuing our sermon series through Proverbs, which we've titled Wisdom Lit, because we're hoping to glean some wisdom and also understanding uh, and how important using wisdom is in our lives and and how we can use wisdom in our lives. Uh, The difficult part about this for me is is that as I've been preparing these messages about wisdom, I can't help but think uh, I I don't really see myself as this guru of wisdom, right? Uh, I'm I'm kind of a dummy sometimes. You can ask my wife. I, I regularly exude the symptoms of foot and mouth disease. So, Sometimes I'm thinking, you know, who am I to be teaching about wisdom? Um, fortunately, I'm not the source of wisdom. As we've been learning, Jesus is. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I take solace in that. And also, I'll, I'll take that this moment to remind you that uh, we've been reading through Proverbs. And so uh, that's really important to get into the word yourselves. We've, we've done chapters 1 to 5 last Monday to Friday. And uh, we're going to be going 6 to 10. That's the right math, I think, uh, this week from Monday to Friday. So follow along with us, read with us, make sure you're digging into the word yourself, because that's the beginning of wisdom, getting into the word. Um, Anyways, um, so yeah, I take solace in that, you know. I'm not the guru of wisdom. Jesus is. But, but, to, but to top it off, though, the Holy Spirit is constantly reminding me. Every time I'm preparing a message, I get this, this verse comes to mind. James 3, verse 1, which says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So I'm always like, oh, great. You know, every time that comes to mind, oh, man. Right. Uh, I mean, I usually try to watch what I say when I'm when I'm preaching. Um, but with that in mind, you know, I really need to watch what I say when I'm preaching. Right. Um, I need to watch what I say and how I say it. But I guess in the end, don't we all need to watch what we say and how we say it? This this verse is certainly exhorting teachers, but only because they usually have a greater platform and influence with their speech. And therefore, usually hold a greater responsibility for what they say. But, but in the end, teacher or not, aren't we all responsible for what comes out of our mouths? As kids, our parents are always telling us, you know, watch your mouths. Watch what you say. And I'm not sure if our parents realized how important or prophetic those words actually are, or that lesson actually is. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're actually going to be held accountable for what we say. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew 12. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Wow. God, God cares about our words and our speech that much? That, that we'll be held accountable not necessarily by our actions, but by what we say. And all God's people said, uh-oh, right? That's a lot of weight placed on this little tiny muscle in our mouth. 
Why, why would God place that much importance on our speech? Well, Proverbs 18.21 tells us, and this is the verse that we're going to be revolving around and, and, and expanding on this morning. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So no wonder God puts, puts so much weight on what we say, right? What we say has a lot of influence and power over death and life. And, and if you think this is an over-exaggeration, Proverbs 50, 15 verse 4 says it a little bit different. It says it this way. Wholesome speech is a tree of life, but dishonest talk breaks the spirit. I know we've all experienced both sides of this proverb, right? We've experienced the effects of a kind word which lifted us up. But we've also experienced the effects of a hurtful word which brought us down. I don't really care what that person said about me. But we do, and it hurts, right? We know this proverb is spot on. Words have power. But do we ever think about this seriously, though, before we speak? That what we say and how we talk to others, how we talk to God, to our friends, our kids, our spouse, our coworkers, our neighbors, right, has the power to, to steer the direction of other people's lives, our relationships, our church community, our, and our own lives, right? Uh, with our words, we have the power to produce destruction or healing, discouragement or determination, disunity or reconciliation, shame or grace, bitterness or mercy, joy or depression, right? Death or life. And it even says that we'll eat the fruit of it. Those who love it will eat the fruit of it. We, we feed off what we say and how we speak, right? Which means we'll have to live with or, or pay the consequences of whatever our speech produces, and don't you think that if we reminded ourselves of this daily, this, this truth, that we'd not only think twice before saying something, but that we'd probably talk a lot less, right? If we, if we thought about this, we'd probably talk a lot less. In fact, over and over throughout Proverbs, we'll find that this is one of the primary differences between the wise and the foolish. The wise listen, and the foolish don't shut up. Right? The wise listen and the foolish won't stop talking. The wise listen to instruction. They're, they're slow to speak. They receive discipline and, and knowledge and learning. They, they humbly build others up. And when they do speak, they speak truth. And they teach knowledge. And they give good advice. And they build others up. On the other hand, the foolish... They, they refuse to listen because they think they know everything already, right? They're, they're rash with their words. They hate discipline. And they freely speak their mind. They pridefully tear others down and they boast about themselves. They butt into others' conversations. They manipulate with lies, deception, false prophecies, perverse speech, and flattery. And they give horrible advice. Last week we saw some of those qualities displayed in the personification or personified characters of Lady Wisdom and Madame Folly, what we were talking about last week. 
But we can also see that this contrast between wise and the foolish speech all throughout the book. In fact, this is what I did when I was preparing for, for this part of the message. I opened up Proverbs, skimmed, grabbed a verse, skimmed, grabbed a verse, skimmed, grabbed a verse. It's all over Proverbs, this, this speech, how, how important speech is between the wise and the foolish. So here, here's some examples that I just like found randomly as I was flipping through Proverbs. Proverbs 14, verse 3. It says, pride sprouts in the mouth of a fool, but the lips of the wise protect them. Proverbs 14.25, a truthful witness saves lives, but a deceiver proclaims lies. Proverbs 15.2, the tongue of the wise enhances knowledge, but the mouth of a fool gushes with stupidity. Proverbs 15.5, a fool doesn't heed his father's instruction, but those who heed correction are mature. Proverbs 15.28, the righteous heart reflects before answering, but the wicked mouth blurts out evil. Proverbs 12:18 and 13 verse 3 says there is one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 18:13 says those who answer before they listen are foolish and disgraceful. And no wonder it says in Proverbs 14 verse 7 Stay away from fools, for you won't learn wise speech there. In a, in a culture where, where anyone can now use, use the internet, as we know, or text messaging, or social media as their soapbox to, to instantly express their rash and reactionary words, uneducated opinions, anger-fueled insults, and hot-headed arguments, more than ever, we desperately need to learn wise speech it's become a rare commodity wise speech has become a rare commodity and and i'm speaking to myself here as well okay i i can't help but think of how many times you know as i was preparing this this message i can't think of how many times i've spoken rashly to my kids or or interrupted my wife when she wasn't done speaking right or spoke sarcastically to a loved one or retweeted a tweet that I regretted later or yelled at a referee during a soccer game because I definitely wasn't offside, right? Or spoke impatiently to a friend and, and caused a rift in the relationship that, that was never healed or when, when I neglected to, to encourage someone or just say hello to them at church when I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me to do it and I didn't, right? Too often we act the fool with our speech, with our mouths. We speak when we shouldn't and we refuse to speak or listen when we should. And it can have damning consequences. And I don't use that word lightly. Our words have more power to bring death than we think. Timothy Keller describes it well when he, when he writes, you are not wise unless you grasp the power of words. Words pierce like swords. They get into your heart and soul. Words of the reckless can wound your reputation, making it hard for people to ever fully trust you again. Words can even kill. Words have been triggers for murders and suicides and actual wars. Also, words kill psychologically. Call a child stupid or not worth anything, and that person may spend all of his or her life trying to rid him or herself of the self-doubts that is planted in them. Words designed to hurt are like toxic chemicals. Once they get into, into the ground, 
They just pollute everything. See, our, our words matter. Our words matter a lot. They, they have a lot of power and real consequences. They cut to the core of people. They're worse than sticks and stones. And yet, again, we, we don't often realize it or, or admit it to ourselves or, or, or think about it. And, and I think too often we actually get caught up thinking about other sins as being worse or more significant than the things that we say, right? Don't we? We get caught up thinking other sins are more problematic. In this day and age, our culture is obsessed with sexuality, right? So we're always going on and on about sexual sin and definition of marriage and all those things. But ironically, the way that we talk about those things, whether we're right or not, that's not what I'm talking about right now, but whether we're right or not, the way that we talk about those things is quite often just as sinful or worse Right? Not that we shouldn't speak truth. We should always speak truth. The wise speak truth and they don't call sin good. But yet they're also wise in how and when they do it. Too often in our attempts to speak truth, we're rash and we're angry and we're bitter and we're hurtful and we're reactionary and we're mean and we're judgmental with our words. And our words, as Christians, have caused people to hate us to abhor us, to become depressed and angry and hurt and belittled by us. And as a side effect, they don't want to hear anything about this Jesus we confess to believe in with those same mouths. Maybe we should start thinking about our speech and repenting of our gossip and our slander and whatever else before we start pointing the finger. James 3, 9 to 12 says it like this. With our mouth, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I'd imagine you're going for a hike in the Rocky Mountains and, and you're feeling thirsty. And so you draw some water from, from this stream that's flowing nearby. And you take a big swig of it, expecting, you know, nice fresh water. But, then it, but it's thick with salt and bitterness. Right? What are you going to do? You're going you're to spew it out of your mouth. Gross! Right? Well, what if someone came to our church to find, to find healing, to drink of the living water of Christ, but instead they're presented with condescending words or just simply ignored? No one says anything to them at all. Gross. Right? They're, they're going to spit us out of their mouths. The point is, we can't be two things, right? A fig tree can't produce olives. A mature Christian can't produce hate or lies or foolish talk. We can't worship God and simultaneously curse others in the same setting with the same mouths. Think of it like this. You're driving down the road. You're listening to to a worship album, your worship MP3 or whatever. And you're singing along. You're belting out with it. You know, bless the... Oh, you're not closing your eyes because you're driving, right? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. And then someone cuts you off and immediately they're triggered. And you're like, idiot, what the beep, beep, and beep. I hope you go to beep. And then you're like, worship his whole, right? 
Come on, some of you have done that. Or another example, right? When, when we're participating in, in church community, like, like today, right? But then behind the scenes, we're also spreading rumors about people in the church. Of course, we'll try to pass off our rumor mongering as prayer requests, right? Hey, guys, guess what I hear? I mean, um, we should probably pray for Billy because he's looking at porn, right? That's, that's not a prayer request, right? That's ruining someone's reputation just so you can boast in your secret knowledge, right? With, with the same breath, we're, we're, we're blessing God and we're cursing people. People who are made in the image of God. That's all people, by the way. And this can't be. It's, 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 it's impossible. We can't be two natures. And what, what comes out of our mouths, our speech, our tone of voice even, how quickly we speak, how we talk about others, all this reflects who we truly are. Our words reveal our true nature. Luke 6.45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. And, and how do we produce those things? For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Right? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your vocabulary is a direct reflection of your heart. The, the tongue is, is, like a, is like a paintbrush, right? It's, it's painting a picture of our very being. Examine your words. Think about how you speak to others. And what do those words say about you? Proverbs 26 reminds us that a fool's speech, again, includes gossip, Lies, deception, manipulation, quarrels that stir up conflict. You know, there's a lot of people that just like to stir up conflict just for the sake of it, right? The fool butts in where, where it's not their business. It says they, they speak rashly and pridefully and rudely, but sometimes with smooth talking and flattery when they can selfishly benefit. And then, of course, they often try to justify the fool often tries to justify his speech by saying to his neighbor, I was only joking. How many people have said that, hurt someone's feelings and said, I was only joking. That's the crazy thing about all of this. Most of us have, have probably been a victim to any or, or all of the above and have been deeply hurt by the things other people have said about us. Right? We know it sucks to be talked about behind our backs. We know it hurts deeply to have someone belittle us or patronize us or to be the punchline in a joke. Right? We've seen or experienced churches or relationships falling apart and, and collapsing because of a harsh word that was said. We know how hurtful and disrespectful it is to be lied to. We know how dirty it feels or how emotionally and financially damaging it is to be manipulated. But yet, when we speak foolishly, when we're the ones doing it, somehow we find a way of justifying it to ourselves, don't we? Well, this, well, this is different. 
we say, right? Proverbs 30, verse 20 says, this is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. Right? We try to justify our, our hurtful and foolish spe- speech by saying, you know, I've, I've done no wrong. Or, you know, well, they deserved it. Or this time was different. Or, or, or the truth would have hurt them more. Or no harm was done. It's not a big deal. Or, you know, it's because of my, my, my upbringing or my abusive parents that I talk this way to people. Or, you know, they're just overreacting. I was just joking. But no, we can't justify the hurtful things we say. We have to be careful. Our words can be incredibly destructive. They can be hurtful. They can be harmful. Even with good intentions. Even when we're just joking. One foolish word, depending who we're talking to, right, can have devastating results. James 3, 5 to 6 says it like this. So also the tongue is a small member. Yet... Even though it's small, right, it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. So like a forest that's, you know, started with a small spark or, you know, a cigarette butt that's flicked out of a window or a campfire left unattended, right? We've all seen and, and smelled the smoke of the devastation that can cause. Right? Just, and, and just like that, one, one word, one, one phrase can have huge and damaging consequences, not, not only mentally or emotionally, but spiritually too. It says that, that the fi- it's set on fire by hell. There, there's a, this is a spiritual battle. The things we say affects us spiritually. So we're, it can damage us mentally, psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually too. But, and here's the thing. Once the damage is done, once the damage is done, it can't be undone. Sure, a wound can heal, but the proverbial scar will always remain because our words cut deep. Our words deceive and create false expectations and frustrations. Our words can lead people astray. Our words can break the confidence and and spirit of others. Our words can crush their self-esteem, their value, and and lead people to to sadness and rage or, or depression. Our words can destroy friendships, relationships, communities, countries, and lives. Our words can bring death. So yes, the guy who who threw the cigarette butt out the window can apologize for causing the forest fire, and he can even be forgiven but the forest is still burned down and it will never be the same again and just like that our lips can be like a scorching fire as well and the people we burn won't ever be the same again maybe they become closed off in their protective walls of hurt or they become bitter or or untrustworthy of others for the rest of their lives whatever it is that's, that's why the old saying is basically true. If you can't say anything nice, just don't say anything at all. The damage of our words can't be undone. And yes, Jesus, who, who still bears the scars of our foolishness and our sin, he can redeem it. He can redeem those things. 
Absolutely. But it can't be undone. So every time we speak, we should consider... Every time we speak, we should consider the effects that our words might have. And this is what it means to be wise. This is what it means to be wise. The Bible calls this bridling the tongue or being slow to speak. Right? James 1.19 says it like this. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And the wisdom of Proverbs agrees when it says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So showing restraint with our words, thinking and listening before we speak, even and especially when we're triggered, is, is not only wise, but it prevents many possible sins, hurt feelings, regrets, and personal consequences. Right? Better to bridle the tongue than to say something that you'll regret. James 3, 2 to 4. I'm, I'm quoting a lot from James because I'm pretty sure James had Sermon on the Mount and Proverbs in front of him when he wrote this letter. James 3, 2 to 4 says, For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect, which in this context means mature man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So we not only bridle the tongue so that we don't say something we'll regret, but we bridle our tongue so that we don't do things that we regret. Right? In the same way that a bridle in a horse's mouth actually controls the whole horse, you can steer the whole horse because of that bridle in their mouth. Steer where they go, what they do, right? In the same way, if we can control our tongues, we'll also be able to control our whole body as well. Our words guide and and direct our actions. If we're patient and graceful in speech, we'll be patient and graceful with our actions. This this is how important the things that we say are. It not only affects others, but, but it affects our own lives and how we live and what we do as well. On that end, wouldn't it be great then if, if at all times we were always just slow to speak? There'd be a lot more peace, wouldn't there? Just slow to speak so that the only words that, that came out of our mouths were words of wisdom and life. Wouldn't that be preferable? There'd be no drama. And this is, this is to be like God, who, who spoke the world and spoke life into being. Who spoke his covenant and promises to his people and remained faithful to his word. This is to be like Jesus, the very word of God who became flesh, who spoke life and truth to the lost. Who cast out demons with his speech. 
who taught the word with authority and who never spoke a word out of place or purpose. This is to be led by the Holy Spirit who moves us to proclaim Jesus' name and and cry out to God as our Abba Father with every fiber of our being. To, To speak words of wisdom and life is to be like the Lord. The problem, though, is, is, is that James 3 reminds us as well that though man has, has managed to, to tame every type of beast, not every beast, but every, every type of beast in land and sea, yet we haven't been able to tame the tongue. We haven't been able to do it. Obviously, that, obviously then, we need the Lord to change us in order to do this. We need Jesus. We need his spirit to work in and through us, right? Because only by his great grace are, are our hearts changed. And by, the, and by our heart, our mouths speak, right? It's by his strength alone that, that allows us to bridle the tongue and speak life. As Colossians 3, 7 to 10 tells us, it says, When you lived among the disobedient, you also used to walk in these ways. But now... In Christ, now you must put aside all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So in Christ, we're no longer prone to speak the language of the fool, Right? Instead, we've put on the new self, a self that's being renewed and matured and capable of, of new thoughts and desires as we grow in our relationship with God. In, in Christ, then, we'll speak truth. We'll speak the truth in love. We'll speak with self-control. We'll be true to our promises. We'll seek reconciliation and peace. Right? And we'll refrain from, from speaking any type of words that might cause harm to others. Or offense to others. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. In other words, in Christ, we, we won't. You know, if, if we're surrendering to Christ and he's, and he's controlling us, we won't impatiently lash out with words of anger or defense. We won't pridefully boast or blab on and on about ourselves or our opinions when nobody's asked us for it. And we won't make verbal commitments we can't keep. But rather, we'll talk with self-control and calm restraint, again, seeking peace, thinking before we speak. Ephesians 4.29 expands on this even more when it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So to speak life is to speak encouragement to one another, to build one another up in the grace of Christ. And, and I can't emphasize this point enough. Our, our motivation in speaking to another human being should always be to build them up. To give them hope, to motivate them, to pull out their potential, to, to make them flourish in who God's created them to be. Even when, when we discipline them or call, call them out in their sin, this should still be our purpose. 
to build them up. But, but here's a warning in this. Don't, don't lie. We're always tempted to, you know, to build someone up. We're tempted to lie to them. Say, oh yeah, you are really good at that. And then they, then they go into university for that thing and they suck at it and it ruins their life, right? Don't lie to someone. Don't speak a false word of encouragement, right? That will only cause problems. Speak the truth. Find encouraging things to say about someone, to build them up in Christ, and proclaim that to them. And you know what? If you can't find anything constructive to say, then don't say anything at all. Proverbs 10.20 says, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. For those of us who have silverware still, I don't have any, but um, if you do have silverware, you only pull it out at certain times, right? Maybe for an important birthday or Thanksgiving dinner, Christmas family dinner or something. That's when, that's, that's when you would pull out the silverware. And in the same way, our words should be used sparingly and only at the proper times as well. Right? And this means two things. Firstly, to speak life sometimes is to not say anything at all. I know it sounds contradictory, but to speak life sometimes is to keep your mouth shut. Because to be wise doesn't mean you know everything. In fact, to be to be a wise person will be the first to admit they don't know everything, right? So to be wise is to actually listen to somebody when they're speaking. To be wise is to gain understanding. To be wise is to wait for the right time to speak. And honestly, in, in certain situations, like when we're comforting someone in their grief or sometimes when we're in prayer, keeping our lips shut is more good than saying anything anyway, right? And all the introverts here are like, amen. I don't need to talk. I love it. Preach it, brother. But you're saying that in your mind because you're not talking out loud. Too afraid to talk. But I'm sorry, introverts, you're not off the hook. Because secondly, we need to be wise and active in knowing when someone does need to hear an encouraging or kind word or, or a prayer, right? Or even when someone just needs to be acknowledged. Sometimes to not speak to someone when, when they need to be spoken to you is just as worse as saying something stupid, right? Sin of omission. For example, it's not hard to get, we, had, we, said, we just had fellowship time before this, right? It's not hard to get out of our seats during our fellowship time and say, hi to someone new or someone we've never met or even pray for a friend if needed. You never know how much a simple gesture like that can make someone feel special or loved or or lift their spirits or, or get them out of their funk that they're in. And you think, well, who am I? No one needs to hear from me. That That's not the point. God's called you to do that. Don't devalue that. To speak words of life is to use our tongues to to edify and encourage one another, as well as our neighbors, right? To build them up in the love and grace of Christ. And on that note, Ephesians 5 to 4 also says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, 
but instead, let there be thanksgiving. To speak words of life is to speak words of thanksgiving, to be thankful when we, when we speak, right? You, you know that person that you work with or that friend you have who's, you know, every time you have an event or whatever, who, they're always complaining or they're, they're bitter or they're, they're crude or they're, they're constantly being a Debbie Downer, you know, or, or whenever they're around, right? They always have some sort of problem or issue or, or they disagree with you about something you said, right? Or, or, or they have something out of line to say. Do, do we like hanging out with that person? Not really, right? That, that person's words are like words of death, right? They're always bringing the mood down. But someone who's thankful and full of joy and gratitude for the blessings that they have, right? those are people who bring life to any and every circumstance and situation, right? Those are people who know how to abound in good or ill. Those are people who trust in the Lord. And so to speak life is to speak words of thanksgiving and joy in all we do. As Christians, you know, we should, we should exude, just have thanksgiving in our hearts for what God's done for us. So again, to just sum it, sum it up so far, to, so far, to speak life is to speak words of affirmation and encouragement, right? Words of forgiveness and reconciliation, words of hope, of peace, of joy, of goodness, of thankfulness, words of truth. And finally... And most importantly, we speak words of life through proclaiming Jesus. We were singing about it earlier. It's, it's his breath in our lungs, right? So we pour out our praise. We proclaim Jesus. Romans 10 verse 10 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So above all, this is what our our speech in general should convey at all times, but this is ultimately what it means to use our words to to bring life. We we confess and we proclaim Jesus, who is life. And then in verses 14 and 17, it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And, And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So people need to hear the gospel in order to believe. But how will they hear it if we're not proclaiming it? So we need to proclaim the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ to them. When we confess with our mouths that Jesus saves, we we speak words of life. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're called to do this. As Christians, we're called to do this, to use our tongues to proclaim life, to proclaim Jesus' name, his saving grace, his work on the cross, his truth, his love, his power, his authority, his his excellencies, his marvelous light. We're called and saved by Christ to speak words of wisdom, words of life, 
And so on that end, as, as I conclude, like the psalmist, let this be our prayer day in and day out. Let this be our prayer before we speak. Psalm 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are Lord, that you are our God. That through Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us, we get to cry out to you and and confess you as our Abba Father. And it's a reminder, Lord, of just how much power our words have. I pray that you would help us to be mindful about the things that we confess, the things that we say, the words that we speak. Lord, that you would conform us more into your likeness. That the words of, of our mouth would be pleasing to you. That the words of our mouth would, would convey who you are. That the words of our mouth would build others up. Lord, that you would help us to speak words of life and wisdom. And that you would give us discernment and how to bridle our tongue when we have nothing good to say at all. And Lord, even now as we prepare ourselves to come to the table for communion, for the Lord's Supper, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would empty our hearts of any, of any, of any evil, of anything destructive in our hearts, Lord, any sin, that you would remove those things, that we would be able to put on Christ and confess Him as our Lord and Savior. Confess Him as our salvation. Jesus, I pray that Your words would would not just go in one ear and out the other this morning, Lord. But we would take them to heart. That we would think on them and be changed by them. We pray this in Jesus' name.